Welcome back to another episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts like us examine the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller North by Northwest. One minute of screen time per episode. I am Curtis Blaze, and sitting next to me, knowing everything there is to know about genealogy, is my friend and fellow podcaster, Jason Hummel. And you might tell your knife-throwing chum that I reassured his wife. We are also the hosts of the Better Off Dead Minute, the podcast that examines the Savage Steve Holland movie, Better Off Dead, one minute at a time. As you could probably guess from the name, Better Off Dead Minute. Ah, uh, thanks Jim for letting us do this. Gosh, we're sorry. <laughs> Join us now, won't you, as we unpack Minute 129 of the Hitchcock film North by Northwest. Already in progress. Well, there's no need to actually sink to the tracks anymore because we're in the same room sitting right next to each other. Hello there, Jason. Hello, Curtis. Cozy, isn't it? Mmm. So we're <laughs> taking a little break today. Again, for the ninth time <laughs> yeah. from the Better Off Dead Minute to uh, talk about North by Northwest Minute, which probably, after this, we're going to record the intro and it's going to cover that. Yep. But whatevs. So in this minute, we're what? How are we starting here? Anna's got the drop on... Uh, Roger. On Roger. She's got a gun. Yeah, the gun. Very, uh... Very, I've got a, I, get a, I get a very Big Valley television show vibe on this scene. How so? Something about the actress Anna just seems like this scene, especially with this lodge, could just be like on that television show. She's got a uh, kind of her accent. Reminds me of someone on that show. I don't know who because it's been 30 years since I've seen it. But as I watch it, I'm vibing on the Big Valley (laughs) on this one. Hmm. Do you actually remember what that show was about? Do you remember that show at all? Yeah, it was a Western show. Um, Had Peter Breck in it, who... uh... I am, yeah, very fond of Peter Breck because he's given some great Gonzo performances in B movies. <laughs> oh my God, you guys! This was random. Jason wasn't expecting this. This is this is one of the things I love about Jason. I bring up something, and he's able to just start talking about pop culture from fifty years ago with no warning. <laughs> so she gets to drop on him with the gun. We know it's the gun. Roger doesn't know it's the gun. No, which is weird, right? Because. You think if you face the gun, I guess any gun, even if it's the same gun, the second time it's pulled on you would be like, don't like the gun pulled. <laughs> It'd be a freak out moment even the second time. Yeah. But, you know, to be fair, I guess, you know, he doesn't know, even if he knew it was the gun, he wouldn't know for sure whether it was blanks or blanks or bullets. Well, he was spying on him. Yeah. And he watched Leonard try to get himself killed by shooting... <laughs> Blanks at Philip. Yeah. And I'll just say again, Leonard's damn lucky Philip didn't have a gun. Yeah, seriously. Or a knife. <laughs> or bourbon. Or a whole bottle of bourbon. <laughs> Anna is going to hold Roger until her husband and Leonard get back. Yes. Leonard was just walking them to the plane. Yeah. Was he carrying a suitcase? Books. He's carrying books. Or, as we learned in an earlier minute... What bourbon comes in now? <laughs> Hitchcock does one of the things that I love the most in the scene. The thing that has stood out to me. And it takes me out of the movie. It does. But it's, it's one of the things I love. It's this technical thing that never would have occurred to me if I was making a movie. And I've never seen it before in any other movie. Do you know the thing I'm talking about, Jason? Yes, the um, rear projection while they're walking. Right? Yeah. So they're 
just rocking back and forth while the rear projection goes away from him. Yeah. Someone took a camera carefully and walked away. This is the thing that's weird about this particular shot. First of all, let's just talk about this technique anyway. Have you, in your vast movie-watching experience, have you ever seen this rear projection technique used while people were walking towards the camera? Never towards. Usually it's um, when somebody's going right or left, you know. They'll be walking past something that's rear projected. And in this movie, they would always be walking right. Yeah. Because we're never going to see anybody's... We're only going to see people's left side. <laughs> yeah. you got to have uh, Cary Grant's best side. <laughs> but I interrupted. Yeah. Oh, uh, j- just just uh, about that for a second. Yeah, I was watching Notorious yeah. the other day. And he's doing that in Notorious, too. Really? Yeah. Hitch- Hitchcock? No, uh, Cary Grant is showing the... I, let me ask you side. Is that... Is Notorious also made by Alfred Hitchcock? Yes. Okay, so Hitchcock knew Cary Grant's... Best side. ...deal. Yep. <laughs> I wonder what he looks like from the right side. Probably all double-chinned chin, double and, like, <laughs> baggy-eyed. Yeah. Yeah, from the, from the other side, he looks like Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> <laughs> so, this... So in your vast experience, getting back to this this technique, you've never seen this except in this movie? Yeah. Even other Hitchcock movies? Yeah. No other Hitchcock movies do I ever remember seeing that shot. Okay, then let me just do a let me just do a, a sanity check. We're both convinced, right? We're like you agree with me, that's yeah. definitely what's going on. Yeah. They definitely have a rear projection and they're definitely just like rocking back and forth like yeah. like chimps. <laughs> It's, it's pretending like, to be walking. Yeah, it's like poor man's process without the car, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I wonder how that occurred to them to do. Because it's a shot you never get to see. Think about technically how hard this would be. First of all, first of all, the thing they're walking away from in this particular shot, in this minute, doesn't really exist. Right. Itself is a special effect. And rather than just cutting to some shot like you see in so many movies where... They plant the camera on a tripod, and the people walk to the plane. They they immerse you in the movie with the with the movie making technique. Well, here's one, and actually we can talk about it in this minute too, because Anna mentioned it. Her husband. Yes. Is her husband one of the goons? That's what I was thinking. Is that he's the brown haired uh, goon? So to be clear, there were two goons. One yeah. is one is the brown haired one, and he was the gardener. Yeah, he was the gardener in the uh, scene where they. Meet the phony Mrs. Townsend. Okay. And the other one, how would you characterize him? Kind of dark hair, buzz cut. Okay, so you've narrowed down yeah. to nobody? Yeah. yeah he's, got, he's got a hat on always. Got kind of a, kind of a stupid look on his face. <laughs> yeah, very, very creepy, happy look. So why in particular? Oh, okay. I don't know if I mentioned it, but the first guy, the brown-haired one that you suspect is the husband, yes. is the one who actually throws the knife that kills the real Mr. Townsend. Mr. Townsend back at the UN. Yeah. The one that looks like the banker from the Lucy show. <laughs> so then I've got questions for you. What uh, what other, okay, my position is that that guy is like a kid in in terms of 1950s movies. He would he would likely be cast as a teenager <laughs> in something like uh Night of the Gila Monster. Yeah. Or whatever, or uh, the Blob, right? Yeah, so, yeah he, he somebody would, his he, age because he's only like forty. Yeah, he would be uh, 
Steve McQueen's sidekick in the blob, you know? <laughs> hey, Skippy, watch out for the blob. Right, right? So, Roger's sister... No, no, I've got that wrong. So, Anna... Anna has to be, in real life, this actress. 50? Yeah. Am I just judging her on current times? Because J-Lo's 50. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we say on the, on the morning after the Super Bowl, is it possible that Anna is... Like 30, and people just looked old back then? Hmm. It's possible. I think we need to go to the internet for this one, because I need to actually know her age. Okay, so, so, do we know her name? How did Anna, with many speaking parts, not make it into the top ten? And the auctioneer does. (laughs) How's she under taxi driver number two? How is Anna not in this? Have we been saying her name wrong? For the last ten minutes? Oh, uncredited, yeah. How could she be uncredited? This is this is outrageous! Yeah. How is Nora Marlowe 103rd down on the list after Man at United Nations building? This is Anna! Yeah, and after Frank Marlowe, the taxi driver. She has speaking parts. God's sake. Wow, she's oh, she's in Westworld. Well, there you go. Okay, so, she was born in 1915. In 1959, that makes her 25, 35, 45, 55. That makes her 49. Yes. So she's 50. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, me. Yeah, guess me. Okay. Let's let's do the math on the other actor. Do we even know what his name is? But I bet he's in the top 10. But his name's in the script. There's second man. Second man. And first man. <laughs> ah! <laughs> first man with foreign accent. Faint foreign accent. Yeah, second man with more pronounced foreign accent. <laughs> Anna has a, a, a mild foreign accent. Yes. She could be married to either of these guys. That would be convenient. Her husband was, after all, or that guy was, after all, the gardener. Yeah. And she was the maid. Mm-hmm. Philip's sister was his wife. Do I have that right? Or was it, wait, there's somebody's sister. <laughs> Back on Long Island? Yeah. Yeah, it was Philip's sister. Yeah. They just they say that in this minute. Yeah, that's why I'm bringing it up. Thank my thank my sister for me for pretending to be Mrs. Whatever Graybill Townsend Townsend <laughs> Graybill. <laughs> Where did that come from? So your theory that Anna is married to what is it, man number one? Yeah, or whatever the guy that was gardening outside the Thornhill yes. residence. I think I can buy that, but it seems weird to me. This this whole thing at the lodge is weird to me. Why is her husband not there? If they've got, uh, well, okay, we kind of discussed that earlier. If they've got their own lodging, if they've got like a like a guest house that they live in, or servants' quarters. Yes. But it seems like earlier on, when they're referred to just simply as hired thugs, I mean, that could have been an act. Yeah. So why would they care that Philip was going to make it out of the country? Where did, where did man number two go? Did he get killed? I don't think so. They were on the train. Wait, were they on the train? Hmm. Did either of us watch this movie? <laughs> I must know the answer to this mystery. When is the actual last appearance of, of the two thugs? So number two, the last time we see him is when? Is it when he recreates the the thing on the bus? I mean, the thing in the... Remember the <clears throat> the elevator? Yeah. Is that the last time we see that guy ever? Can I just take a moment to tell you how much I love uh, Martin Landau's eyebrows? Oh my god. They're Spe- very... Speak at length. They're they're very grinchy, you know. He was born to play kind of sinister, heavy characters. 
What else has Martin Landau been in? Well, Mission Impossible. Okay. That's where I first... Uh, the original TV show? Yes. That's where I first noticed him. And uh, he was Bela Lugosi and Ed Wood. Okay, so that guy. This yeah. guy. He's not wearing his hat in that scene. Wow. <laughs> ah, he's creepy. Oh, man. Well, okay, to be fair, right now, dear listeners, we're, we're re-watching some scenes from earlier in the movie to try and determine where man number two disappeared. And I just got to say... Anytime someone is laughing without the sound on, it looks like an orgasm. <laughs> Silent movies are always very fun that way. Here he comes running, 3429, gets in the car. Oh my god, I, we, might have a, uh, we might have a little conspiracy here, Jason. Really? Only one man gets out of the car at the UN. Huh, so... Roger gets in a cab, Yeah. And he says, step on it and lose him. Mm-hmm. Gets out at the UN, walks up the step, guy freaks out, he's like, hey... Holy crap, that's, that's a guy. <laughs> hey, guy, Cary Grant. Huh. Anyway. <laughs> and then the other cab pulls up, the one in the red, that they both jumped in, that they both jumped in. Yes. So, basically, the second cab is Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leaves. I'm watching it right now to find out, but I think that's the last time we saw him. I think Anna's husband killed him in the cab. And maybe the cab driver was in on it, too. Maybe the cab driver is also the, the guy who flies the, flies the plane? The crop duster? Okay, here we go. Here's the cab. Looks like there's two people in back. Oh, he tells him something. Oh, okay, hold on. Okay, so guy number two made it alive to the UN. Yes. My theory is, is garbage. Wait for me at the corner of 47th. Yes. I mean, that's a, like that's like a 15-minute walk. 15, 20-minute walk. Why would you direct man number two to go all the way up there? Hmm. From here. Because, I mean, they got off, like, here. Yeah. He's like, man, man, 47th. Man number two goes all the way up here. All the way up here. Just hanging out at Japan Society. At the Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza. UN Plaza Grill. Okay, the point of all this, that's the last time we see man number two. Yes. And we're sure about that. He doesn't show up on the train. <laughs> we're sure, right? Yeah. As far as I can remember. I got to solve it. Well, I'll say this, Jason. Answering the mysteries of this movie, of which there are many unintended mysteries, all small and nearly insignificant, because nobody else cares about them but me. <laughs> Man number two, for sure, disappears at the UN building when he's told to wait for him at 47th Street. Right. We never see him again. So what is wait for me at 47th Street, East German... Spy code four. Hmm. So all this just, of course, goes back to your theory about man number one being honest husband. Yes. To which point I'm saying, I think he looks like a teenage surfer. <laughs> if you go back to movies of the 1950s. And, and isn't her husband. I think her husband might be someone else. Hmm. But you, I think you have the stronger case for man number one is her husband. And just in case we... Got off track with the conversation. Man number one, we discovered, is the name of henchman number one. Yes. The one that has the speaking roles that stabs the real Mr. Townsend. Ta- Thorn? Townsend. Townsend? Yes. The real Mr. Townsend at the UN? <laughs> By throwing the knife in his back? Yep. But man, I don't know. We determined that Anna, the actress who plays Anna, I can't believe it's a crime that she's unlisted and seven like 70th down yeah man she is literally 49 when this movie was filmed yeah 
that guy had to be real life. What do you think that guy is? Maybe my age, around 45. So it's plausible that they're married, that they're about the same age and married. Yep. And you think the language of the film is saying that that guy is her husband. Yes. So how come he doesn't show up at the top of Mount Rushmore for the final guitar solo battle? Did he already get rounded up by the CIA? Hmm. Oh, and here's something to think about. Philip, in the minute that isn't ours that we just watched at the auction, (laughs) refers to uh, Roger and his, his cronies as the FBI. Yeah, that's right. Just to throw a little a little uh, dust on that. A little sand in the eye of our theory about the CIA. <laughs> we should go back to our minute and watch it some more. Well, that's enough of that. On to second four of this minute. Enough about Anna. This lamp no longer looks like an Indian to me. Now it looks uh, almost like a Greek statue. Right? And she's gesturing. She's doing the uh-uh-uh. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> Roger just sits on the steps. Yeah, Eve is visibly... Visibly very nervous, terrified, really. And uh, Philip notices, but it's not 100% clear as what he's thinking. What if Anna's husband is completely imaginary and everybody's just going along with her? (laughs) She just says she has a husband and Philip and Leonard are like, (sighs) the mission's almost over. (laughs) You don't know him. He lives in Canada. You've never met him. He goes to a different school. Hey, everybody. This is your friendly host, Curtis Blaze, speaking. Yes, we've just subjected you to two entire episodes of speculating about who Anna's husband was. And it turns out, in this minute, we just didn't catch it. It is Leonard. She's married to Leonard. Leonard! Gosh, I'm so sorry. All of this rock work, definitely paintings. Yeah. The... The airplane landing doesn't seem to adhere to airplane physics that I know. Therefore, I think it, too, is like a special effect. Like a model? Right. People complain about movies just being all CGI green screen these days. Yeah. And I say, you watch something like North by Northwest, man, this thing was heavy, heavy with matte paintings. Yeah. And special effects. Now, there's that stupid argument about what's a special effect. A special effect is something that's done post-filming, right? And a practical effect is done in camera. Do I have that right? Well, practical effect is something physical, something physically real. So, this insert shot of of the plane landing, which doesn't act like a real plane, therefore I'm saying must be a model, is that a special effect or is that a practical effect? Um... Huh. It was done in front of the camera while the camera was rolling. Yeah. And they obviously had a mat a mat painting around it, around all the places that didn't need movement. Yeah. And they set it up in a place that had some foreground that looked real to sell yeah. it all. Yeah. So it it would be a, if it's a model, it would be a practical effect. Okay. So so it's not accurate to say that it's full of special effects. You know, I'm going to take that back. I think they landed a real airplane on a real runway with mat, with a matte painting around it. And here's why I say that. This light on the port side wing is too twinkly to be a little light. It's got too much variance as it's going through air. Do you know what I mean? So it's second like 44, minute 129. Eve says she's worried about her earring. Yep. Philip asks her. 
Were you under the impression that she gave the impression in the last minute that the earring situation was resolved? Or did she walk out and, and was like, I couldn't find him? Hmm. Well, it, it was like her out in the last minute, you know, got to go check on him. Right. But then Leonard came up right away. Yeah. And she left. Okay, well, just an excuse. I want everyone to just go to Second 54 right now that's listening and just marvel at this home. If I was trapped out of time and didn't know where I was, I would think to myself, 70s. <laughs> I mean, it's so Brady Bunch. Yeah. But there are some inconsistencies as well. If you look, you can see the, the big girder thing he was climbing on. And then you can see the thing he was like kind of hanging on to to spy in the window. And then the side of the wall that he climbs up to get to Eve's room. Eve definitely shut her light off before going downstairs. Right. Yet in this shot, the light is on, Jason. Yeah. On, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, it looks like all the lights are on. Yeah, like Anna just went around to the whole house like, as a way of saying goodbye. <laughs> when they come back, their light bill is going to be astronomical. It so does. It so looks like a painting right here. But... I don't know. It's just beautiful. I think it's gorgeous. Yeah. But also, it's the first thing that really gives you a sense of what's going on. Look how high up in them, like, this cliff is. They are overlooking a lake that is far below them. Yeah. They're on, they're kind of on a huge cliff. There's no, no fooling around about this. If he would have fallen off of that thing when he got to about here, it wasn't just drop you know, 10 feet down to the ground and have to start over again. Hopefully he didn't sprain his ankle. Or bust bust a leg. Right. He's tumbling. He's tumbling down. He's made, He's doing that, ah, <laughs> thing. Yeah, the Doppler effect. I mean, again, I know we're talking about a painting, but if we're talking about the reality of the movie, all of these outside lights were also on. They would have been shining right on him. Look how bright that is. Yeah. That's the corner where uh, Leonard was sitting on the on the counter next to the... Statue, he fake fires on Philip right about there. Extremely compelling visual. You can find the Hitchcock Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play or at the main site, HitchcockMinute.com. You can also find us at The Man on Washington's Nose on Facebook and on Twitter at Hitchcock Minute. Don't forget that there are over 100 other Movies by Minute podcasts available at MoviesByMinutes.com. Please join us here next time on the Hitchcock Minute. Wherever you are.